Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola amigos, thank you for tuning into Hello Latino Podcast. Como siempre, here to welcome you. I'm Odalis Jasmine, and I'm excited for you all to meet la latinista dominicana Yai Vargas. Yai is the founder of The Latinista, a national network for Latinas and women of color invested in professional development and career mobility. Today, The Latinista offers a series of skill-building, activity-driven, hands-on sessions specifically designed to help identify and sharpen career and business skills. You can find The Latinista chapters in New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, and Miami, and they're currently building one in San Diego, too. Jai is also a career and diversity strategist, so she helps organizations develop engaging programming focused on career and leadership development. With a background in multicultural marketing and communications, Jai is a natural born community builder and is known as a networking and LinkedIn ninja. I'm serious about that. Go follow her on LinkedIn, look her up on The Latinista, and go show my girl Jai some hella Latino love. Hello. <laughs> I am so excited. I'm here with the beautiful Jai Vargas. And I, again, this is like one of those conversations I've been looking forward to for so long because, again, we've never met in person, right? We <laughs> we've we never haven't. met in person, but I feel like I know you. I feel like you're like my big sister. I see you on LinkedIn all the time and you're killing it. You are a badass in, in every way and every aspect. So I'm excited to chat with you. And I want to start by asking you how you identify Thank that you. Next, that can be, you know, whatever you you identify as. Yes, thank you. Um, number one for creating the space and for inviting me into it. I think it's a much needed space and a conversation for Latinas and women of color and anyone who identifies as being, you know, um, an individual who needs inspiration and self recognition and introspection that you've done with this podcast. So thank you. I identify as a Latina. I also identify as a millennial. I have done many talks on the fact that we are all multifaceted. So I use Latin X when being inclusive in any conversation. Yes, I created a group, the Latinista for Latinas and women of color, but it's a conversation that anyone can jump into. I don't like to exclude anyone. So thank you for having me here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. I feel honored. <laughs> but I want to jump into your story, right? This space is really about whoever's listening to just see themselves in whoever's talking, right? Have themselves feel represented. So I want to know a little bit more about your story, where you come from, where you grew up, your upbringing, your, your Latinidad, just... Tell us a little bit more about who Yai is. Thank you. So I was born uh, in Dominican Republic, a beautiful island that shares space with Haiti, with my brothers and sisters there. I came here to the United States when I was just three years old by way of Washington Heights, New York City, where the majority of Dominicans go through when coming to this country. We spend a lot of our time in Washington Heights and in the Bronx. 
I spent the majority of my childhood there. And it was a really interesting experience. Washington Heights in New York City has an incredible culture. Um, I am now an entrepreneur and I always love to talk about the very essence and culture of my Dominicans and, and, and the women who share the work in which I do. So I saw a lot of Dominican women open up their own hair salons, open up their own organizations and tons of nonprofits have been built with this community in mind that need the resources, the skill set, the network and the tools to make it in this country. And um, I'm really proud that my dad is also an entrepreneur. He's a realtor, he's a broker. And for the last 30 something years, I've learned from him on how to build a successful business. Uh, he doesn't see himself as successful, but I <laughs> absolutely do. He does, you know, rentals and uh, sells homes. Now they live in Florida and I'm still here in the New York, New Jersey area. Oh my God. How, how was your childhood? I know you touched a little bit on that, but how was growing up in New York? You know, like I, I'm from the opposite side. I'm from the West coast, you know, growing up in San Diego is so different. I, I went to New York for the first time last year, actually. And I was like, this is so beautiful. You know what you see in movies and all that, <laughs> but I hear so much about the Bronx. Cause you know, like Jennifer Lopez and like, you know, she reps it all the time. And for you, like growing up in Washington Heights and in the Bronx, like how was that experience? Because you said you grew up with around around a lot of Dominicans, right? So yeah, like growing up, right. how how was New York? How was growing up in around all these other Latinos, around all these other Dominicans? It was beautiful, and you know I have to say it was very colorful and it was very diverse. So yes, there was a very heavy emphasis on the Latinos and Spanish speakers, but. It's incredible to see how diverse our Latinidad is. I grew up around so many Colombians and Peruvians and Ecuadorians, um, also African-Americans and black people within the Harlem area that's right next to Washington Heights where I grew up. So for me, when I travel across the US and across the globe, it's incredible to see pockets of communities that aren't necessarily diverse. And so when I visit LA a ton, I see that the majority of the community is Mexican and they have pockets of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans as well. You know, I'm sure that you've heard so much that New York is really a melting pot of minds, yeah. of conversations, of people, of experiences and backgrounds. So I'm really thankful that I got this experience and was able to learn from so many different communities. I mean, the community that I live in right now is actually jam-packed with Hasidic Jews. And it's beautiful to see the diversity between them and us and the fact that they speak Spanish and we're also learning from their culture. It's mm. really awesome. So I'm very thankful that my experiences have led to the type of work that I do now in diversity and inclusion consulting. So it's sort of yeah. been an interesting journey that I would have never carved out for myself, but in, in some way, shape or form, naturally, it's just brought me to where I am today. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing all these things that you're saying. And I'm like, I can totally like connect the dots between what you do now, right? But I want to touch on one thing real quick, you you came from the Dominican Republic, and you came to New York, right? And, and came to the United States. Do you remember that journey? Like, do you remember coming to the US? Do you remember your life in 
Dominican Republic? Like, how was that experience for you? It's interesting because I was really young. I was three years old, so I barely remember the journey. But I do remember pockets of, you know, going to my first English school and the fact mm-hmm. that I would show up in these huge dresses for Easter, <laughs> right? And so these very American schools that I was ingrained in sort of looked at me like, why are you dressed like that in this huge, puffy outfit? And I'm like, oh my God, aren't we celebrating Easter this week? And they're like, no, not really. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> You're like, y'all look cute. <laughs> yeah. It was really interesting to see how different uh, my culture and my community and my, my upbringing was um, from theirs. So I, I, I absolutely learned a lot. And I met a lot of Spanish speaking, um, what we now know as Latinas here from the U.S. and how different I was in my upbringing. Spanish was absolutely my first language, um, but I picked up English rather quickly because I was so young when I got here. And so I really appreciate the fact that I'm bilingual. Um, it's not perfect. I use slang all the time, but I love it. It's it's being my don't we all? I feel like we all do that. <laughs> yeah, only the best ones do, and people really connect and resonate with mm-hmm. just being real. And so when I do my corporate trainings, I absolutely incorporate some of my Spanish and Spanglish and slang, and they love yeah, that. Yeah, no? Similar experiences. <laughs> See, exactamente. Yeah, you got to, and I. That's that's the reason I love talking to Latinos because we get it. You know, we like we t- we talk that Spanglish and I sometimes laugh at myself because when I have to talk to like, you know, my 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 tíos or tías because some of them don't know English, they're like parece americana, you know, you talk all like, why well, I'm like no I don't. Like you just I can't say certain things. I say it in slang because that's how I grew up, you know. Yes. <laughs> grew up in these two languages. I didn't have the luxury to not learn English and just stay in Spanish and perfect it. Like I learned, you know, both languages at once and that's kind of the the thing that we do as Latinos that we're it's a superpower for sure being able to understand the majority of the world like that is that is a superpower so do you consider yourself a first generation American I know there's like some kind of there's like a difference I, I recently heard half generation American Oh, there's so many different aspects of this, you know, and I have a friend that does a lot of work in the first gen, right? Because the, she's the first gen that mm-hmm. went to school here and that graduated. I just identify as an immigrant. I was brought to this country yeah. and um, I, I, I stay within that realm. I'm so proud to be an immigrant and I love being able to, you know, build community and build conversations with those that are in corporate America that may not have the same similar background or upbringing or immigration story. So I just, I love always mentioning that I came to this country. I was brought to this country. I'm a proud immigrant. Um, you know, You're proud Dominicana. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I love it. Yeah. Did you, so you're talking about, you know, being Dominican. Did you grow up in a Dominican household? I mean, I'm sure you did, but I mean, again, I don't want to assume, I want to just, I want to know a little bit more about your cultura and like, how was your Dominican upbringing? Like educate us a little bit. (laughs) Oh gosh. It was interesting. I mean, I came, I come from a very large community. My mom is one of 10 
And my dad, I'm even scared to say, is one of like 21. <laughs> oh, Portugal. <laughs> That's I know. so much. crazy. I'll tell oh you a funny God. story. So when I was 21, I visited the Dominican Republic and I go every summer. I still do. Mm-hmm. I visited with a couple of my best friends and I was like, you have to see where I come from. Let's go to the resorts, but I also need you to stay with some of my family. Uh, we went to the supermarket with an aunt of mine and we were, whatever, shopping for food. And this guy walks by and he's wearing this like doctor's coat and it says Jay Vargas. And I'm like, why does this guy look exactly like my dad? And he's got a <laughs> doctor's coat on that says Jay Vargas. Like, what is this? So I stopped him and I was like, hola, um, me conoces? <laughs> Tú te ves igualito como mi papá. You know, I was like, you look just like my dad. And he was like, what's your name? And I was like, Jaindi. That's my full name. My Jaindi is my full name. My middle name is Altagracia, um, Dominican saint. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> it's crazy. So beautiful. And um, he was like, oh, my God, uh, I'm your dad's brother. And I was like, nice to meet you. What in the world? <laughs> no way. You just saw him randomly? Just randomly. And he looks just like my dad, like it could be his twin. <laughs> And then my friend sees me like talking to some random guy and she's like, what's your dad doing here? And I'm like, apparently this guy's my uncle. Like, oh my God, I had no idea. I have so much family. So I grew up around a very big family Um, and it was awesome, crazy and awesome at the same time. And they're just very cool. (laughs) Oh my God. 21 though, 21 tios and tias from your dad's side. Yeah, my grandfather was very busy. <laughs> no había televisión, no había... No había nada. I love that, like, again, I feel like that is such a superpower, that we have these, like, two mm-hmm. cultures so, like, mixed into us, and we we just are redefining what American means, right? Yeah. Like, we're bringing our cultura into New York, San Diego, like, wherever we come from. So yeah. thank you for talking about that. On that same topic, because I know that there's a lot of Afro-Latinos in Dominican Republic. And did you like learn about your your roots, your your background? You know, like I know for a fact I did not learn a lot about my background as a Hondureña. You know, I like only learned, oh, los españoles, you know, we come from españoles. <laughs> that was like all I heard. But did you learn about your, your roots and your ancestors in, in Dominican Republic? You know, I didn't learn about it through my family. I learned about it as I was graduating from college. Um, I have a background in advertising and marketing communications. And when I was graduating, my career counselor said, okay, so now it's time for you to start interviewing for a job. How are you going to differentiate yourself from every other person here that's graduating with the same degree? And I was like, okay. I don't know, what can I use to differentiate myself? And the only thing that I could come up with was the fact that I spoke Spanish. Mm -hmm. So he said, perfect, use that to your advantage. Use that as a unique differentiator. And what he meant by that is now that you're going to be interviewing, let these organizations and companies know that you are the subject matter expert when it comes to Latinos and Hispanics and immigrants and Spanish. And I was also learning Portuguese at the time. And so that's exactly what I did for the last 16 years. I started learning about my culture and my roots and my background. You know, a lot of my family either looks like me, really light skinned, 
-hmm. A lot of my family is blonde hair, blue eyes, my aunts and my uncles and my little cousins. And then I have two uncles that are really, 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 really dark. He's black. He's absolutely Mm -hmm. black. And so I never really thought anything of it until I started really learning about our roots and our culture and the fact that we share uh, an island with Haiti and that our ancestors, yes, came from Spain, but also Africa. My name is Taino. It's after a Taino princess, the first Indian settlers of the Caribbean, Dominican Republic, Cuba, and Puerto Rico. And so I learned all of that. I had no idea. My I, I'm sure my family knew as well, but they didn't necessarily share that with me until I started educating them. And they were like, yeah, we know that. <laughs> oh, my, the same thing happened to me. I started learning all these things and I was like, Papi, blah, 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 blah. And he'd be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and you're like, well, <laughs> me enseñaste. I would always tell him that, Por qué no me enseñaste? and he was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I didn't know you were interested in learning that. I'm like, yeah. yes. <laughs> powerful and we're still learning we're still learning we're still learning we're still learning and and you know like right now this is a perfect time to jump into what you do now and cheese make cafecito i have my cafecito right here i'm ready (laughs) to hear all your cheese but really oh i love that i have my mug love it branding always in branding i love i i need one i'm gonna get one (laughs) i wanna but i wanna talk about what you do now, because you do so much for the Latina community, you know, you, you 100% rep your Latinidad, which I love. And so I want to touch on that, because hearing your story and hearing the bits and pieces that I didn't know about, now, like for me that I know you and I and I'm connected with you, I see like all the connections. I'm like, Oh, this is why she like is such an entrepreneur. This is why she like loves XYZ. So let's talk about what you do now. I know you do a lot. So we have time, you know, you got time to explain all the things that you do, but let's just talk about the cheese man while I, I sip my cafecito. I'll just listen. I love, <laughs> I love that. So I'll explain it. Um, it all started with that multicultural marketing and strategy background and role that I started crafting for myself. So 16 years ago, one of my first jobs was working at a PR agency that had a focus on helping large corporations understand their Latino Hispanic market. And so I was literally developing press releases and marketing material for big companies like Pfizer and Prudential so that they understood how to communicate with Spanish and Portuguese speaking communities across the US. Um, And I started realizing that there was a very big need that these organizations didn't have someone like me that was learning and developing content for them. They didn't have that internally. They were always looking for an agency to be able Mm. to produce a lot of that content. And so from there, I I took another role at the U.S. Tennis Association. I know nothing about sports. (laughs) Um, I got that role through networking. I met another Dominican who was running the HR team there. We made an incredible person together as Latinos. (laughs) Exactly. The power of networking strategically and the power of personal relationships. We made such a connection. She was like, yeah, you're definitely the right person for this role. And if I hadn't made that personal connection with her, I probably would have never gotten that role. Of course, I needed to have the backing and the education and, and the understanding of everything that that job entailed 
but it was getting my foot in the door through her that really made it happen. And so my multicultural strategy then turned into diversity and inclusion for um, a sports organization like the U.S. Tennis Association, the U.S. Open. Um, from there, culture in the U.S. started to shift. We started to not only call it Hispanic experience, but now Latino experience and now Latinx experience. Um, so I started to do a lot of that work. And you can tell that different companies and organizations have a different way of engaging in this type of work. Fast forward, I spent my recent corporate America stint for about nine years at a large um, insurance organization developing their multicultural diversity strategy, both internally and externally. I built the Latinista when I was at this organization. So I built the Latinista almost eight years ago now. And I built the Latinista because I noticed that the Latinas and women of color in my community and in my circle weren't aware of all of the corporate programs, corporate events, corporate conferences, and also the money that was out there to help us get ahead. And every time I would share like, hey, I'm going to the ACER conference in San Francisco, who else is going? Most of my community, even though they were in corporate America with me as well, they were like, oh, they don't have the budget to send me or, oh, that's for the vice president to go or, oh, it doesn't make sense for the role that I have right now. I wish I could go. And I was like, no, no, no. You are going to advocate for yourself to be in these conversations because what I'm learning in these organizations and in these spaces is incredible. And it's going to bring you from point A to point B. You have to be in these conversations. If you're not in these conversations, you're not going to mobilize when it comes to your career. You're not going to get the roles that are really ahead of the times for Latinas and women of color in these spaces. And so I created the Latinista to make other Latinas and women of color, you know, aware of what was going on mm -hmm. when it came mm -hmm. to these types of programs. And then it started structuring itself around, hey, we know that there are these already existing conferences that we should attend, but what can we do here if we can't attend those big conferences? And so I started looking for subject matter experts to come into the Latinista to teach us about how to be a confident public speaker, how to negotiate your salary, how to lead a team if you've never been taught how to be a leader internally ever before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get a promotion at work now you've got an intern and two people reporting to you. Nobody even teaches you how to lead a team. And so those are the types of conversations, uh, real life examples and experiences and role playing that we go through at the Latinista. And then two years ago, I decided to leave corporate America to be my own boss, to be a consultant in the diversity and inclusion space because I was getting so much feedback from organizations that still 16 years later weren't investing in hiring someone like me internally. And so I said, mm -hmm. I'm going to raise my hand and you're going to hire me as a consultant to come in and help you figure this out at no matter what journey, what part of your journey you're in, whether mm -hmm. you're at a stage where you have no idea what diversity means for your organization 
or you've already been doing this for 20, 30 years, like Coca-Cola and AT&T and NBC, and you need help in innovating and refreshing some of the programming yeah. and content. So that's what I do now in a nutshell. That's all the cheese in it. <laughs> all the cheese in it. But how, so right now that's an interesting time, right? There's a lot going on. It's, it's not just, it's not just COVID, right? It's not just coronavirus happening. It's, it's a mix of civil rights, right? The black community has been fed up as they should be with all the injustices that their community faces. And, you know, we're all showing up as accomplices, allies, whatever the word that you use, but we're showing up for them. You know, we're showing up for our, our black brothers and sisters in our community, how is that? Because right now there's a lot of backlash with companies, right? Like companies are trying to get out there and, and, and do their thing. But there's like this, this kind of like, are you doing this for PR? Are you doing this because you actually mean it? I mean, and you as a diversity consultant, like, how has that experience been for you? Are companies just coming, crying to you? Like, help me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, literally. Um, you know, it, on one hand, it's um, it's heartbreaking. It's frustrating. I think we all feel the desperation right now and the racial and health unrest that we see playing out. It's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. It's frustrating because some of us don't know what to do. And right now, it's interesting because the work that I do with already existing clients that I have you know, they are proud that this is something that they've budgeted for and that this is something that they've prioritized for the last couple of months or couple of years. Yeah. And their employees internally are proud that they can say, our leadership actually took responsibility years and months ago to get this off the ground. This yeah. isn't a knee-jerk reaction to what's happening over the last year. So I'm mm -hmm. thankful to work for an organization like this one that has brought in someone like Ajay or someone like another diversity consultant to maintain that structure and that strategy and achieve our goals. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a difficult conversation and it's so complicated. There is no playbook. A lot of organizations are getting backlash because they are behemoths and they're not even donating a small percentage of what they could. And even yeah. those that are donating $500 million, when you ask them the real internal strategy to really open up the layers of who they've been hiring, who's in their executive team, who is developing programming for their employees when it comes to Black and Latino and Asian and disabled and the veterans and the mi mi minority communities, what's that programming? You know, they can't answer those questions. They don't have any of those programs set up. Perhaps they're donating money to organizations on, on the outside that are maybe going to somehow internally impact them. Um, but like you said, some of it is just um, a PR stunt. Mm -hmm. Like you said, unfortunately, some of them are making these statements and really not looking under the hood and saying, oops, oh my God, 89% of our workforce is white men. This is the <laughs> financial industry. You know, yeah. and I also have to say it's a journey. You you just have to own up to it. You have to say, now we understand what's the next best step for us. We're going to fix this. It's not about hiring more black and brown people. It's about making sure that your organization is representative of what the country looks like. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so it's just, it's an evolution of conversations and it's quite challenging at the moment. Um, yeah. But I'm glad that this is uh, in the forefront and oh, it's yeah. incredible amount it's of- so needed. There, there's so many different topics coming up, right? And like what I love about, I mean, I don't love what's happening, but what I love about people protesting and people finally standing up and using their voice is that they're they're in a way lifting up all marginalized communities the trans community the the that latinx community like they're lifting up communities with them in in this fight for civil rights you know of course not to take away from their narrative because what people of darker complected skin you know they deal with different things and you know for me i'm 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 pretty light skinned. I know I have certain privileges with that, mm-hmm. but it, they're in a way, like I just seeing so much beauty. It's like a, it's a ripple effect. They're, they're lifting up so many communities with them in, in this, in this fight for justice. And I'm just like hopeful. And that might just be my positive side. You know, yeah. I always tend to be very, very like positive outlook on all these things, but I just see so much good coming out of all this. And I, like you said, it's a journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was so important in this, especially because this is diversity. This is this is your jam. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I and like you said, I love the I love the fact that so many diverse voices are now being amplified, you know, and not to take away for from what is is should absolutely be our priority. It's it's absolutely about Black Lives Matter and George Floyd. You know, and, and, and I've seen over the past two or three weeks that a lot of content has come out from the Afro-Latino community because mm-hmm. there is so much racism within our own Latino Afro oh, yeah. communities. And it's important to notice, but my personal and honest and humble opinion is that it's not the time right now. Right now, our focus should still be Black Lives Matter and George Floyd because we need to come together to get more things done and more things mm-hmm. accomplished. I will talk to you when Hispanic Heritage Month comes around in September and we can talk yeah. about Afro-Latinoness there. Right yeah. now, I, I love to just focus a lot of the energy and goodwill and prioritize what's happening with Black Lives Matter because they need it. And this is not a trend. We need to capitalize on the fact that everyone is listening right now. Let's not dilute it by bringing in other themes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So going back, I love this conversation. I know we can have this conversation for like days, (laughs) days, hours on end. But I want to go back to the the Latinista. And you talked a little bit about when it started and and how it started. But I want to know the why, like what, like what came, and again, I'm like, putting the dots together in my head from your experience in, in your childhood and seeing your parents be entrepreneurs or community be entrepreneurs but why was this such it's been so successful too I, I should say like it's been I've been seeing it everywhere you know like I'm I'm a little involved here and there and I'm like learning and I'm like you know vibing with it but how why did it start you know like where did that passion come from and how it's grown so much so talk about that too like why it, why it started and where where it's where it is now yeah absolutely so eight years ago when I started this, it was honestly a very small conversation. It literally started at a Peruvian restaurant with like 12 of us around the table. Were you eating um, ceviche? Yes, of course. <laughs> Chaufa, ceviche, you name it. Peruvian is one of my favorite oh, foods. <laughs> same. 
So the conversation really started because I wanted to connect a number of Latinas and women of color because I knew that they could benefit from knowing each other, whether it was helping each other find a job or it was reverse mentoring. You know, and I, and I said to myself, people know that I'm out there in the community and I'm connected to so many very influential people and I can help them find a job. They shouldn't only be coming to me. I want to build a community of other people that are as connected as I am and specifically in other industries. And so that's really why I started gathering a lot of these women. And we started hearing from the community that they needed help finding mentors. They needed help finding jobs. They needed help having those really difficult conversations around negotiating salary. They didn't know their self-worth. You know, I have conversations with executive assistants that have been in a particular role for 10 or 15 years and they haven't gotten a raise in five years because they don't know their self-worth. So it's a little bit of like slapping them around and also giving them the tools that they need to empower those conversations around, this is why I deserve a increase in my salary. Tell me, share with me how I can better my experience or my development here and a very open and honest and transparent conversation with your manager. Working to adjust some of those things in which you're working on. And then after six months or one year, revisiting that conversation. And if they still don't give you a raise, then it's time to get the heck out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just stay there. And so it was a lot of difficult conversations and also bringing in some subject matter experts that are also passionate about empowering women. And it's not to say that they weren't empowered before, but some of them literally raise their hand and say, I'm being taken advantage of. What do I do and how do I say it? Literally, we literally did role playing with them. And so I love how it's grown. We now have chapters in New York, Chicago, Miami, LA, and a Slack channel in San Diego, which is really, really awesome. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when I was starting it, some people would say, Jai, why are you starting another Latina professional group? There are so many. And yeah, in New York City, there's probably eight Latina professional groups. Mm-hmm. All of the people that are involved in those groups are also my connections. The women that run those organizations are great friends of mine. I don't see anyone as a competition. We always collaborate in programming. Mm-hmm. Nobody can compete with me. If you want to outcompete me with how many events that you can host in one month, there's no way. Nobody has the energy to be able to I, keep up with the amount of content that I, I love that. I want to, I want to just point that part out because that's important. You don't compete. And that is the thing with, with women, with Latino, like we don't have to compete. Like this is, we're all in the same game. We're fighting together. You know, we're trying to like, oh, I love that. I just wanted to point that out. Cause I'm like, yes, I love that. And it's always <laughs> about collaboration. Yeah. And it's always about collaboration. So I develop monthly content and experiential hands-on events. Another organization that I work with, Latinas Think Big, Angelica Perez Litwin is one of my closest and dearest personal friends. We create content together because we know that we are not the end-all and be-all organization. It's always a collaboration. And it's about me being absolutely clear about what I know to be able to deliver, what she can deliver, how we're gonna partner together so that we can be a holistic one-stop shop and approach for any Latina or woman of color 
or man that wants to be in conversation with us. We have so many men that attend our workshops. I love it. This is totally inclusive. Yeah. I, I bet they love it too. They're learning so much. You they know, do, like and, and it's so fascinating. They are really an integral part of the conversation. They are sponsors and champion and supporters of women. So they show up to be able to say, I also work at Deloitte. I will help you get a job in here because I know that I have a, a, a specific privilege in being a man, a white man or a Latino man. I will bring you into this company. Let me help you. And that's absolutely okay. Yes, we need the help. Bring us in there. Right. We need to work together. Again, it's that collaboration piece. Mm-hmm. I love that. So the how do the chapters work? So you have some in, you know, Chicago, Miami, estás en todos lados. So how do those <laughs> how do those chapters work? Is it just those workshops you come together and, and do them and you know, kind of talk a little bit more about how those chapters function? Yeah, absolutely. So the first chapter that I launched was right here in New York City. Um, I run and execute all of that programming with a number of different subject matter experts. The next one that I opened up was Miami. I actually partner with another nonprofit organization called Latina Surge. They are phenomenal. So we work on developing programming in Miami, and it has everything to do with LinkedIn professional branding, or how to get to the C-suite, or how to negotiate your salary. And then I opened up uh, Chicago, which is an incredible community. I have uh, two co-leads, two presidents, Argelia Martinez and Andrea Chicola. They are phenomenal. Our most recent event that we did in Chicago brought about 130 Latinas and women of color to an incredible organization, a social media platform called Sprout Social, and it was about Latina Equal Pay Day in November. We do, yeah. we did 13 events on that day. It was just insane. 13? <laughs> 13 That's events. Wild. <laughs> it was insane. It was, it was insane, right? Um, and then we opened up Los Angeles. Um, Jessica Vasquez, she's my, my lead there in Los Angeles. She works for Netflix. And Kim, who is my lead for San Diego, is also incredible. And I think what separates us from all the other organizations is the consistency in which we produce quality content. Mm -hmm. When COVID happened, the next day I was actually, well, during that week and New York City was shut down, the next day I was actually supposed to host a Trello workshop at HBO headquarters here in New York City. And I was like, oh my goodness, what I did overnight, I opened up a Crowdcast account and I threw all of that content onto Crowdcast. Now we've got, what, 12 webinars over the last month and a half. I mean, we're just like pumping out content. So it's all about quality. It's never about quantity. You know, people are always like, how big is the community? Like how many women, you know? This organization has like 30,000 women. I'm not trying to get to any like golden number. I don't care if there's 20 girls here. I don't care if there's like 30,000 women in the network. Mm -hmm. I care about consistency and quality of content and knowing that every single subject matter expert that I bring to develop and deliver content to these women is like top notch. That's the only thing I care about. Yeah, I love that. And one question that just kind of that blossomed while I was hearing you you talk about this is like 
are, are you the first in your family to to do something like I know you like come from entrepreneurs but were you the first one to go to college like I'm trying to connect the dots between your family and you you growing up in that in that environment to you doing this now I mean there's so many connections right but I'm just trying to like understand more about who Jai is <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I wasn't the first one to go to college. My parents went to school in Dominican Republic. My mom uh, studied accounting. She is phenomenal at numbers. She taught me everything that I know about numbers Girl, now. I know nothing about numbers. That's what I need to learn. I need to learn yes. You know, and it's, and, it's, and it's powerful to be able to say that you need help in that. Three years ago, I actually started an incredible relationship with the financial gym. I said, I need to be able to manage my expenses and understand how to make my money work for me. I'm making a ton of money here in corporate America and have absolutely no idea how to invest it in the stock market or what my 401k is doing or not doing for me. And so I said, I need a professional to help me to literally lay everything out on the table for me and help me understand, number one, how I'm not going to run out of money when I become an entrepreneur. That was my number one thing that I wanted to learn. And that's how I'm living it out. Mm-hmm. I love that. And literally, I. So when I when I heard about Latina, you know, Latinas not getting equal pay, and like I know there's like a huge disparity, like with our community. Was that kind of like how did how did the Latinista address that? Because I know you did workshops, and you you yourself, you know, you had your your financial advisor, someone helping you with that, and your mom, phenomenal, does accounting. How how did you bring those workshops to the Latinista? Because that is a really important thing to to talk about. For me growing up, like, you know, we, we grew up hustling and grinding all the time. That's just the Latino way, you know, you just gotta like work hard. The other thing though is like they always told me to just be grateful with what you have. And that's the mentality that I'm like. Yes, it's good, but I want to get out of that. Like, I want to also be, like you said, be able to know my worth and ask for what I deserve. And that's not an easy thing. <laughs> so for you, did you run into that problem? Like, how was that for you in, in your life and like for the Latinista? Yeah. You know, as I was building the Latinista, I wanted to make sure to align to a particular cause that resonated with me. You know, and I had so many conversations with women in general about the fact that they weren't being paid what they're really worth. And it takes a lot of introspection and a lot of research and a lot of understanding your education and what you've learned and and your ability to learn for the future to really talk about how much you're worth. And so we, we've had so many difficult conversations right here in New York City. I've had conversations with women that are in their 40s, working at a nonprofit, and they make $55,000. You will starve to death in New York City if you're making $55,000. <laughs> you can't live here. You probably have like two or three roommates. You know, and, and when you think about these women's experiences and their degrees and their certifications and everything that we take into consideration when understanding your value and your worth, they weren't doing that. They weren't taking tally. They weren't making notes. And they also, the second part of that, didn't know how to articulate that to somebody who was in charge of paying them. And so that's really what we focus on. Latina Equal Pay Day is our number one mission. We were to 
lessen the pay gap between white men, between women, between Latinas and women of color. And it's just so powerful and important. It's something that I've been working on for a long time. Personally, thankfully, I came from corporate America and I have a you know, a great deal of experience in the financial industry that has the money to be able to pay me when I said, I'm going to leave if you don't pay me. And this is my yeah. work. And I had some incredible white women mentors that told me exactly how to have that conversation. Those are the types of networks that you need to build around you, your board of directors that's going to like literally talk about these things. You know, we, you and I grew up in a culture of just being humble be grateful for what you have. You have a job. Mm -hmm. Don't say anything. Keep your head down and your boss will recognize that and you'll get like a 3% raise maybe. That's not <laughs> good enough. It's not yeah. good enough. Not in New York City. Not at corporations when you know how much money they're spending on like t-shirts and lunch and learn. Yes, that part. <laughs> right? And so it's a, it's a really big issue. And now being a consultant, I still come across that issue. I get mm -hmm. asked to speak to executive women uh, on panels across the U.S. and internationally, and they say, Jai, wow, your content is incredible. We would love to have you at our conference, or we want you to come in and train 15 of our executive women here at our employee resource group. But, oh, it's just such a shame. We don't have any budget in our diversity you know, uh, bucket. It's, it's, it's such a shame, but we really would like for you to come in and do a two-hour workshop to help our women internally mobilize. Still to this day, I get asked to do work for free. They would never say that to a man. Are you kidding me? You're going to ask a man to take one hour of his day to commute into this organization, train for two hours. God knows how many hours it takes to create those slides, the research for that industry, and then all of the additional work that it takes to follow up with those individuals that you're empowering, you're not supporting small businesses. You're not supporting Latinas. You're not supporting immigrants. Mm -hmm. You're not supporting small businesses. Like, it is so unfair what's happening out there when it comes to equal pay or any pay. Mm -hmm. um, and it's still something that I'm fighting towards now. And I'm, I've gotten to the point where I can eloquently say, I'd love to do these workshops for your executive women. And I'm sure that you mean well by bringing me in. But the fact that you don't have a budget allocated for this type of professional development training is really unfortunate. Whenever you really want to invest in your professionals and in this community that I sit in as a small business, as a Latina, you come talk to me. And, you know, Sometimes they actually go find the money because they're so embarrassed. They're better. <laughs> Good. I want them to be embarrassed. Yeah. Well, that that's that literally like makes me mad. I'm just like, what? Like they would ask you to do all this work for free. And that just shows that they don't see the value in it. You know, yeah. like they, they don't care enough to invest in it. It's just like, oh, do you want to give us a free workshop? Because your time isn't valuable or anything. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah, it's 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 really unfortunate. And not only for me, but it's unfortunate that they're not investing in the professional development training of these employees that they say they quote unquote care about. Mm -hmm. They're like, let's bring in someone. Let's throw her in a room. She'll take care of them. Let's check off that box. And hopefully it went well. And now we can say we're a diverse organization because we brought in a Latina immigrant to do these workshops. 
No, we need to start holding these companies and these organizations accountable for how they're not investing in these small businesses. Yes. Preach, girl. Preach. <laughs> I'm so mad about this. Yeah, as you should, right? Because it's so it's so true. But they'll gladly spend it on like pool tables and t-shirts and mugs. I'm, like, it's come ridiculous. on. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Chachis and they're like, let's run the corporate, you know, corporate challenge walk. Let, let's spend, you know, $5,000 on these t-shirts yeah. you guys are going to wear across, you know, the street and take a group picture and let's get some ice cream for 10 grand for the whole company. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole beef right now, right? With companies. It's like, are you doing this for PR? Like, are you serious about this? Like, are you, are you, do you have action behind your words? And that's, that's the biggest takeaway, right? Like, where's the action? That's and right. one of the things that I, I was hearing, especially today, since we're talking on June, on Juneteenth, all these companies are like, oh, you now have the day off, you know, like you now have the day off. And, you know, <laughs> I love it. But another part of me is like, again, where is the intention? Where's the action? Why? Mm-hmm. Are they educated on why they're taking this day off? Are they educated on this holiday? You know, like we never were educated in, the, in on this holiday in school. And that shows a lot. <laughs> shows a lot about our education system it shows a lot about the way that we're taught American culture but again it's just the companies it's some of them are amazing and they're really doing the work and others are just you know Ben and Jerry's I think of like how amazing they are with their statement I was like damn Ben and Jerry's yes my goodness I mean I've read so much about what Ben and Jerry's has been doing for the Black Lives Matter I don't know if it's all accurate, but I heard they even got, you know, um, arrested and they've got an incredible um, (laughs) flavor that they're selling that all of the proceeds are going to these bail funds. Incredible. We need to see action like that, both internally in your organization Mm -hmm. and externally for the community. We need to see that consistently every year. Let's see if these companies give Juneteenth off next year when nobody's working from home Mm -hmm. and everybody forgot about it. Yep. That's, that's the part where I'm like, I'm not like waiting for it, but I'm just curious to see what will happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on that topic, I want to touch on one more thing since it's, it's timely, but you know, everyone keeps talking about the new normal and for you, I don't know why, but I'm just curious, like for you, what do you, what do you feel the new normal will be for you, for the Latinista, for Latinos, for the world? Like, do you have any, like, have you thought about this? Like what the new normal is? Oh, well, it's 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 evolving. It's it's fascinating. I just heard that some of my friends that are still in corporate America here in New York are actually going to be asked to go back to work in July already on a weekly wow. on and off basis, just like 20% of their employee community. But I, it's actually a lot sooner than I thought. I thought we were done for the year. Um. So it's, it's crazy because my normal was being at a different corporation and organization every single day delivering training. And I've had to pivot with doing online training, which is great because now it allows for me to reach a larger audience and not just like the 40 or 50 individuals that can make it to the meeting on that day. Now I've got an international audience in the UK because a lot of my organizations are putting this webinar invite out to everyone, which is great, but it's also really difficult for me to engage mm-hmm. an audience and keep the energy level up if I'm not with them, you know, executing on this activity and asking them to take five minutes to write it down and me being able to sit with them and work through these 
these statements that they're creating for themselves. So it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. And I, I can't wait to get back in the training rooms and be able to connect, but it's all about evolving and using this time to learn about how I'm agile and pivoting and not getting down and out and saying, oh my God, my business, you know, I haven't made any money for two months because nobody's working yeah. um, to be able to position myself and say, go time. Let me get a professional camera. Let me set up this ring light. I need an editor <laughs> for my pre-recorded the ring light. <laughs> all maquillada, all nice. <laughs> exactly. Let me pull up a YouTube and learn how to do some makeup real quick. Right. I every time I put makeup now I'm like oh do I know how to do like my eyebrows anymore like I can't believe I used to put it on every morning like oh it's exhausting how much makeup did we waste I don't even need it I'm like I feel like my skin is so fresh (laughs) today I have it on because I had a big training for Accenture um but Mm -hmm. most of the time I'm just like this is me deal with it (laughs) yeah this is me I try to look cute for my interviews you know because I'm like oh I want to talk to I want to give you a good impression of me. <laughs> I love it. It's all about branding. You look incredible and you have to maintain that certain yeah, yeah. That presence that you hold. Yeah. I don't want to be in my PJs on my bed, just chilling, yeah. like FaceTiming yeah. you. <laughs> but I, so I want to ask one more thing and then we'll, we'll do our little closing, but how, how can Latinas listening, you know, how can they get involved with the Latinista? How can they meet you? You know, how can they connect with you? But you know, more than that, how can they get involved in these workshops and in the room where the magic happens? Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking that. So we have an incredible lineup and already existing library of webinars that we've hosted on Crowdcast. And so if you go to our website, thelatinista.com, you'll be able to see right on the first page how you can check out all of our already existing topics. This month, it's June, we're in the middle of Pride Month, and we're actually going to be talking to a mother whose story revolves around the fact that her son came out as gay, and she works for an incredible organization called PFLAG. Parents, friends, and family of people in the lesbian and gay and transgender community, which I'm a part of. And so it's incredibly you know, an honor to be able to share my platform with the Latinista to tell stories like this one, as well as the negotiating your salary one-on-one, how to be a confident public speaker, and so many more topics. So definitely check us out, thelatinista.com. And of course, I'm all over LinkedIn because I'm the LinkedIn ninja. LinkedIn ninja, you are, girl. You are out there. (laughs) So I want to end this with a brindis. I know we have our cafecito, so it's not like totally brindis. I don't have your little mug. It's so cute. But I have my little cafecito. You have your cafecito. But I want to end this with the brindis. But I also want to ask you the question, and we'll cheers to this. But I want to ask you the question of what do you want to manifest in our Latino community or for Latinas or, you know, for your community? But what is one thing you want to manifest? And we'll, we'll cheers to that. Oh, my goodness. One thing that I want to manifest between equal pay for our Latinas and women of color and just really doing an introspective challenge within ourselves. I want you to understand what is your value? What is your worth? Start writing down everything that you've accomplished. Be proud of it. And if you can't self-promote, ask your friends to help promote you. 
So something that I'm extremely passionate about that I've shared is just knowing your worth, asking for what you should be worth and charging interest because you earned and you deserve every single penny of that. Yes, I love it. Salud. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you so much. Yeah, I loved, loved, loved our conversation. Likewise. Thank you for creating this space as, you know, the entrepreneur that you are and to helping women connect and inspire them to do brave and beautiful things that you're creating for all of us. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Jai brought up so many things in an hour, and I hope you were inspired by her story, her grind, and her work in our community. One thing I want to leave you with is this. Latinas in the U.S. are paid 46% less than white men and 31% less than white women. O sea, tenemos que cambiar unas cosas. Join the Latinista for many more resources and workshops, including a negotiation workshop, which I think is an important thing for all of us to learn, and start doing your own research on Latinas and equal pay. Y mujeres, recuerden que somos poderosas. Remember to tune in next week for more cafecito and chisme and more Hello Latino love. Follow me on Twitter at Oladis Jasmine, Instagram at Ojasmine with four A's, and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, tu amiga hondureña. 